You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Didn't really nail that intro time. It's all right. We'll leave it in time. Wherefore art thou summertime? Is it really the end of summertime already time? It's about about football time in Tennessee time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time. For the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very, very stormy, a dark and stormy night here in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sunday, July 31st, which means that really just, I guess, we're recording this, starting recording this a little after 9.15 or 9.20 Eastern, which means that less than 12 hours from now, uh, the Tennessee football team is starting preseason camp. What? Seems like baseball just ended like 30 seconds ago. But it is that time. And since it is that time, I think you know where we're going to go because we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of football to talk about. So, you know, I think you know where we're going. We're going across town to that uh, that uh, unspecified location, which may or may not be across town, may or may not be in this county, may or, not, may or may not be in this state. It's an undisclosed location where Patrick Brown is. What's going on, Pat? Nothing, trying to squeeze in a sip of water there before you introduced me. I, I can't remember the last time I was on a podcast, so uh, everyone, your your dream of not having to listen to me talk is over. Sorry. Yeah, we, we do that. We uh, we, we tend to, to give, you know, because you got to do so many during the other, you know, what, nine months of the year that we, we try to take it a little bit, a little bit lighter on Pat during the summer, try to take it a you know, a little bit lighter on Grand after basketball season ends, and and really, you know, we we try to not have Ryan whenever we can, because it just it's it's a better product for everyone when he's not involved. But we will have one segment without him because we will have Ryan in the second segment. Because uh, spoiler alert, there's a little bit of a team slash recruiting crossover coverage that we're going to have to get into, uh, and really Ryan's the guy to go to for that. So we're going to go uh, to Ryan in the second segment. We're going to get things started uh, primarily. I'm guessing with just football talk because Josh Heupel, uh, offensive coordinator Alex Golish, defensive coordinator Tim Banks, and several football players, including uh, all the scholarship quarterbacks, I believe, uh, did speak with us lowly members of the media on Sunday before Monday's start to preseason camp, the second one for Josh Heupel and his team. So there's lots and lots of little tidbits. We, we, we debated kind of going – do we want to just do one uh, after you know Monday morning's practice, and then we'd have more stuff? But then I think y'all were, were right, and I was wrong, and saying that we probably needed one tonight too because there's just so many interesting things, tidbits that came out of Sunday that it just kind of seems like we can't really wait until Monday to discuss some of this stuff. Hey, Pat. Yeah, and, and getting into it right away, the biggest news of the day on Sunday was uh, the news that Laneith Whitehead redshirt sophomore running back will miss the red, uh, miss the entire season with an upper body injury is what Josh Heibel called. It. I believe it's a pectoral injury. Um, that, that is what I heard. That is my understanding um, too. 
so that that's something that can happen in a workout. Um, and it's just a tough break for him first and foremost, cause he's had, he, he's been a guy that's, uh, dealt with a lot of injuries, had a foot injury when he got here, uh, was starting to get back healthy, hurt his shoulder and didn't play all of his freshman season. Looking back at last year, he, he started to, to play well, um, got some, some run in the Missouri and the Ole Miss games and the South Carolina game there in October. And, uh, was finally starting to, to look like a player who might be able to help Tennessee. And then he has a couple of nagging, nagging injuries there. So he's just not been able to stay healthy. And, and this gives him another long road to recovery. And it, and it leaves Tennessee really shorthanded um, in their secondary. Again, spoiler alert, they're, they're looking and have been looking to uh, bolster that from outside. But obviously the guys that are here, the four other four scholarship running backs are going to have to uh, really step up. And, and Tennessee, uh, as offensive coordinator Alex Golish mentioned on Sunday, they're going to have to manage these guys throughout camp because those guys are going to take a lot of hits this season. And you don't want to uh, – there might be some maintenance days here and there for the likes of Jabari Small and Jalen Wright uh, coming up over the next several weeks. Yeah, and just to, to kind of – we're not just going to spoil it the entire time. I mean, we, we're, we're not going to not mention the fact that, that Lynn J. Dixon, the former Clemson uh, and most recently West Virginia running back, I uh, believe he has come to Knoxville on Sunday for a visit. Looks like he uh, could be a late addition for the Vols going forward. So we will talk, we talk a little bit more about that in the second segment because we're – we're going to go ahead and throw his name out there now because it's one that we need to go ahead and mention, but we'll discuss it more in detail in the second segment when we get Ryan on here. But, but I do think uh, it's worth noting that, like you said, Pat, you can't really be too picky if you're Tennessee at this point, because you've got four scholarship running backs and with all due respect to the walk-ons who are all good athletes and, you know, very good high school football players, you don't want to go into a season uh, with just four scholarship running backs available and, and that's to say to say nothing of maybe one of the others going down at some point during camp so running back is a position where you take a lot of licks you're going to get guys hurt uh, you don't even really want to have just five but that's a lot better than having just four that's it's a big injury for Tennessee it is I mean maybe maybe Whitehead's not near the top of that list um, but he's on that list and he's a good athlete and he's a guy they didn't want to lose and he was a guy that I believe Jerry Mackett was said in, in the spring. He was their best pass protector, and that was mm-hmm. a big problem for for this backfield last season. We saw with Jabari Small, Jalen Wright. These guys were playing a lot for the first time, and um, it, it's what they're going to have to wait and see with the two freshmen, Justin Williams, Thomas, and, and Dylan Sampson. Uh, and it's what Golish mentioned on Sunday. He's like, they're, they're, we know what we're going to get as runners uh, with them, uh, but can they pass protect? And, and as he pointed out, that's something that could cost you a game. Um, that's something that can get your quarterback hurt, cost a turnover, uh, those types of things if you don't know where you need to pick up a guy or you can't pick up a guy physically. So um, that, that's uh, th- there's been some good talk about right and small. Uh, Golish yep. especially talked about how those guys have really changed their body and really changed their outlook. Um, you know, Talking about Jabari Small having more confidence than maybe he did a year ago, Jalen Wright being um, – more exuberant was the word happier to be there that kind of thing and that's not to say he was unhappy but you know it's tough as a freshman when you get thrown in there and it doesn't go your way right away so um but with the two freshmen Williams Thomas he's sort of the bigger body guy they got to look at him in the spring what does he look like coming out of the summer now that he had a spring to build on uh and Samson is a guy I think it sounds like they're really excited about him I mean you're, you're talking about a guy with 10 4 8 100 meter speed he's he's fast um not the biggest guy i think they got him listed at 511 190 um so but get that guy in some space and he can be a home run threat but again when it's third and 10 and they got a you know 
pick up a, a blitzing linebacker? Can they hold up and will they know where that guy's coming from? That's what they need to find out. And I think it was already going to be the case anyway with those two that, that they were going to have to play. I mean, look at last season, they seemed like it was a different lineup of who was available in that backfield just about every game, right? Small was banged up. Tyon Evans was uh, out of the lineup at least most of the second half of the year. Wright was hurt. Whitehead was hurt. They were running Marcus Pierce out there sometimes. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's all hands on deck in any SEC backfield, but certainly with this backfield with, you know, Small having his injury history and then them just not having numbers, which is why they've kicked the tires on some other potential Porter running backs and, and now seem to, you know, I don't want to say zero, be zeroing in on Dixon, but at least have him on campus and, and we'll see where that ends up. That ends up. Yeah, and you look at it, and, and that's for all the reasons to, to be excited about this Tennessee offense, and there are many. Uh, this could be a potentially very, very, very good Tennessee offense. Uh, you start talking about protecting your quarterback, who is obviously, you know, at any level of football, you're, you know, your most prized asset, you know, probably your, your most important guy in a lot of ways. Maybe some, some systems he's not, but you really can't say that anymore the way the game's played. Um, but if you're talking about two of your concerns on offense being can the running backs pass protect and who's going to be the left tackle on offense. Uh, that, that's probably something that, um, you know, just takes one hit the wrong way on Hendon Hooker and all of a sudden things look different. So you, you got to get those two areas short up, Pat. You just can't – you can't – there's no such thing as a perfect offense, but you really don't want to have holes there. Yeah, and and for all the big plays and the highlights that this offense generates throwing the football, it's, it's about how well they run it, right? That's mm-hmm. the – uh, and Josh Heupel and Alex, Alex Golish would both say that, that the run game is really kind of where they make their hay because they hit these four and five and six yard runs against, uh, you know, when the defense has six guys in the box and then that makes the safeties come up when they're able to, to stay ahead of the chains, be efficient, get first downs. That's when they crank the tempo. That's when you, you, you bring up an extra guy into the box that opens up stuff down the field that generates those big plays. So they have to be able to run the football. They have to be able to, um, you know, convert on, in, in short yardage situations. That's been a point of emphasis this offseason uh, and will be as they get into camp. But, uh, yeah, the, the running back situation was already kind of – I mean, you, you felt good about maybe what they could be there. Um, now it's a it's a situation where it's really thin. Um, it's not where you necessarily want to be. Now they could – you know, if they get in a pinch during the season, they can maybe move a guy over. But, um, you know, they, they've got who they've got now with Whitehead being out and – um, they, they, they've been looking for a portal running back. I'm sure Ryan will talk about this. They've been looking for a portal running back really all off season. Yeah, the entire, this changes nothing so they, about, about that. Yeah. They need right. That. They, they were looking for guys. They knew it was maybe a, a knee. They, they were close to getting them maybe a guy or two and, and didn't do it. And now they're left, you know, with this injury here happening. I think Heibel said it was just in the last couple of weeks, kind of scramble a little bit, but you know, we'll see what those freshmen look like. Um, and if they can be guys that can pick up quickly and and understand the, the mental side of the game and and everything's going to be moving fast for, for them, especially with, with Dylan Sampson since he only got here in June. But um, they, they're going to have to push those guys, those two guys hard, but also not push them too much because they obviously can't afford any more injuries or any more guys banged up in that backfield. Yeah, if early on in the season you see a couple sets where they're like four wide – and uh, Princeton fan is is dusting off the old running back shoes because he can actually pass protect a little bit. Uh, you, you might be you, that might answer the question there already about do they feel like these guys can can pass pro or not? Because we we've known Princeton fans played there before, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. They've got some options there, but there's lots to discuss, and there's no way that that we could spend 
you know, one segment of one episode, really let alone an entire episode, discussing all the interesting things that came out of Sunday. But when you talk about three of the biggest position battles and things that I think we're going to see, we've already hit a little bit maybe on one of them, but there's still a few other. There's some really, really interesting position battles, I think, going into this camp. Yeah, the three of them for me are, are, are left tackle. We think it's going to stay left tackle. It sounds like Darnell Wright's on the right side maybe for good, but he's the guy that that has some ability to flip over. It sounds like that left tackle spot's going to come down to uh, Jeremiah Crawford or Gerald Mincy. Uh, the outside receiver spot is the other one. Uh, we, I think we feel pretty good that Jalen Hyatt's going to be the starter in the slot. But Most likely, yeah. Um, I, I think you could see some Jimmy Callaway, depending on if he's – having a good day or not <laughs> it's that, that was maybe go, go. one interesting because yeah, Alex Cole is straight up said he's really been super inconsistent which is never what you want to hear as a player but it's also not entirely um erroneous to say that about Callaway he's a very gifted player but um be, having to put it all together is, is what they're waiting for with him and then Squirrel White's a guy that everybody in the program just about talks up um so you know Golish saying they feel really good about all the guys they have in the slot makes sort of that outside receiver position, maybe take on a little bit more importance. And I think Brew McCoy will be the guy there, but they obviously have to get him eligible. Um, you know, Heupel said at, at SEC media days, they're waiting on one more hurdle. He said Sunday that they still feel good about the situation. Tennessee fans, I know, are still going to be a little bit more uneven about sure. that, given sure. some of the things that have happened in the past, maybe with, uh, I guess it was Cade Mays two years ago, and then was it Aubrey Solomon the year before that? I think. Yeah, you know, there was so, so Solomon was Solomon was another one that got left awfully late, for and, sure. And and there's been some other guys even further back than that that I can't think of right now. But um, I again, I think McCoy will be the guy who's eligible. But um, they're still waiting on that final thing. I, I don't think Tennessee's gonna. I think they'll prepare like they're gonna have him until you know if it if it hasn't happened later in the late in, later in camp they might see. But um, and then the other one really the whole secondary on defense. Um, and it's not really the whole secondary. It's really just two spots. I think I think we all know Trayvon Flowers and, and Jalen McCullough are going to be the starting safeties as much as people don't want to hear that. Um, that, that those are the guys that Willie Martinez trusts. They play a lot of football. Yep. We'll see if they're better uh, or, or able to play better football this season than they have in the past. Uh, there's reasons to think that that might be the case, but we'll have to see. Uh, and I think Warren Burrell is, is a starting cornerback until uh, otherwise and – you know, that's, he's also not maybe the most popular guy right now, but uh, and again, a guy that's played a lot of football and, and uh, that, that they trust a lot. But that other corner spot, I think, is up for grabs. I think it's interesting that Tim Banks uh, on Sunday said that Christian Charles is going to stay at corner. Um, he's got to play safety last year as a freshman was coming on that, and got hurt. That makes a lot of sense to me because there was talk for a yeah. little bit there that they weren't going to, that they were going to maybe move him back mostly to safety. But then I, I kept thinking, you know, how many times did people praise him in the spring? And we hear spring spring praise all the time, and it doesn't always about mean much, but they raved about him. And so I kept thinking, why would they not keep him there? Why would they not keep him there? It's, to me, I think it's a good thing that they're keeping him there because it's hard to find really good players with really good length there, and he might be a, he might be a good option. Yeah, he, he might be. And, and the other thing is that, you know, the bank said was talking about it's going to be hard to keep Brandon Turner's off the field. And, you know, he's been sort of a mystery too since since last season. Um, could be a, I think he's a cornerback. I don't, I don't really think he's a star. Um, although he played really well. Yeah. Uh, one game star. cameo, hell of a cameo. Right. SEC defensive player of the week. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we like barely saw him the rest of the season. Uh, I don't know what the snap count was, but he probably played most of his snaps in that game. 
probably half of the snaps he played on defense were in, were in that one game, and he played great. But um, I think he's a guy that's going to be a factor there, uh, along with Charles. Kamal Haddon, I think, is a guy that maybe gets overlooked. I would probably say he's maybe the favorite right now. Uh, and the star position, the other spot in the secondary, I think that one will be – I think that one will go to Wesley Walker before too long. I think he's um, a pretty good option to plug right in there with, uh, with Theo Jackson moving on. Uh, Walker, the, the transfer from Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Uh, him and Andre Turnton, I think, will both – have a role for this team and this defense this season. Um, and, and I think those are, those are two guys that, that, again, Banks is not really a guy that talks up a lot of guys. Like you, you kind of have to ask Tim Banks specifically talk about this guy for him to do that. Um, and and he, he talked up both those guys and said he hopes that, that both Walker and Turntine are as advertised, which, you know, they weren't the biggest transfer splashes, you know, Turntine's coming from Ohio state, which is obviously a program that's got stacks on stacks of talent. You know, but he didn't play last year. I think he played like three or four games and redshirted. So, and Walker's coming from Georgia Tech, which was a program that you know, wasn't very good last year. It's not like it's not like he was a former four-star, five-star guy. You know, played at Innsworth as the turn time, but mm-hmm. um, you know, was a two-year starter in the ACC there. So, um, they, they weren't the biggest moves, but I think to, you know, from a public standpoint, but internally, I think there, there's big expectations for both those guys, and um, those are the, those are sort of the big camp battles that, that we'll be watching going. Uh, here over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's it, it's a crime by any stretch that, that that we didn't mention these names earlier. But if you're going to talk about the slot position and about offensive tackle or left tackle, I think Dane Davis is technically in the the battle there for left tackle. I think he's going to play a little bit of guard and tackle. I don't know that he'll start it either, but he's a guy who who is and has been listed as one of the contenders to do that. And, and he got mentioned again by Golish as another guy with a chance there. And another guy at slot position is Walker Merrill. He's going to play some inside, some outside. But remember, he was a guy who last year, at the beginning of last season, there was a lot of talk about him uh, and, and some exciting things he was doing. And he actually had, had a couple pretty good moments early in the season. But then Tennessee made a switch at wide receiver, moved Valus Jones Jr. Uh, into the slot position and started Peyton outside. And that really kind of opened up everything for the offense. And they, they kind of never looked back. So... Uh, that just kind of he, he kind of was one of the odd men kind of shaken out there. But both those guys are in those battles. But I think we both know, um, or, or don't know. I you know I, I think we can both make safely safely guess uh, that those two wouldn't be like the nailed down or, or guys that you would think of as starters right now. But we'll see. Camp happens. Things things get things get wild. Guys go down. You know, guys surprise you. It, it's it, let's let's never ever assume for one minute that we that we ever know what's going to happen. But that's probably a safer bet there. But I think in the secondary, Pat, I think there's so many interesting things there because it's almost – and a couple of us were asking these sorts of questions throughout the day on Sunday. It almost seems kind of like a nebulous situation back there. Like you've got the two returning guys in Flowers and McCullough, the starters at safety. And, you know, McCullough point blank said – he told me on Sunday, he said point blank, I feel like I missed more tackles than I made last year which even if that's a slight embellishment, it's not a stretch to say that he did not play the way he or anyone else in the program wanted him to play last season. But regardless, you know with Flowers and McCall, those are two veterans, two team leader types. They're going to be playing a lot of football. But then you've got a lot of guys who are like nickels and corners or, you know, or, or you know, safeties and corners. you got a lot of guys who are playing a lot of different positions. And to me, they say, McCullough said, if you know how to play one position in Tennessee secondary – you will know how to play all of them, but it's still kind of hard for me to put that together because football is more of a an open thing now where guys play different positions. But it just 
I, I don't there, there's a there's a lack of certainty there that maybe just makes it seem like it's not stable. Is that fair? Well, it, there's a lot of question marks about that group, right? I mean, if if McCullough if Jalen McCullough is talking openly about how he missed, he, you know, he's struggling, tackling is something that that he's needed to work on. He talked about that in the spring too. So if if he knows that, I'm sure a lot of those guys think they can play better, know they can play better. Um, and, and ideally, you know, if you could put five guys on the field that are like that perfect defensive back that they. They play the run like a safety. They blitz like a star. They cover like a cornerback. You know, if you and they say that you'll hear that from Tim Banks, Willie Martinez, that we want quote unquote defensive backs that aren't just like if you're a safety you can't cover. Guess what? <laughs> the other team is going to get you isolated in coverage and they're going to throw the ball at you, yeah. right? If you're a cornerback who can't play the run or can't set the edge, they're going to run wide to your side a lot if you if you can't do those things and be physical and get off blocks. So. They want well-rounded guys. Now, obviously, finding those those guys is what's hard because everybody in the country wants them. They're like, you know, those big defensive tackles that everybody has to have, right? Like, they don't just grow on trees, and, and the competition's pretty heated for those guys. So, uh, can you develop those guys? Maybe yeah. a little bit. But, I, yeah, there, there's some guys that, that are more cornerbacks. Like, I don't think they're going to play Kamal Hatton at safety, right? They're going to yeah. play Burrell at safety. Um, so... Yeah, I think that situation, you know, going back to the spring, it was so open because none of those corners were there, right? Yeah, none of them. That's why Christian Charles got run at corner because it was out of necessity. It might work out in the long run for him because he might play more because he is going to stay at corner where there's a little bit more – that's a little bit more open, I think. Um, But I I do think that situation's cleared up. I think the star spot is the one that's – I think that's the one they got to find out first because I think that's the one – that's the key to – sort of the rest of the puzzle. Um, and, and I think, again, I think Walker is going into camp. I think he's the favorite for me at least um, to, to be that guy and, um, and, and play there. And that, that's a big position because some people in, in the program told me that they think Theo Jackson is going to be the toughest uh, of the five draft picks that they lost. He's going to be the toughest to replace, which saying quite a bit. Cause yeah. You know, when, when, t- yeah. When you think about everything he did though, I mean, I think it does make some sense. Right. I mean, Alante Taylor was a top 50 pick and, and Bayless Jones was, he was a great player on offense and special teams. I mean, he was huge for them last season. And, and if you're saying this guy is, might be more difficult to replace because of all the things he did, and then that that's pretty uh, that's pretty substantial. But yeah, I think you know there's more questions about this defense in general, right? Like we know on offense, whoever they plug in at one receiver spot, whoever they plug in at left tackle, they're still probably going to score a lot of points, right? Because yeah, that's just what likely. Josh Heupel yeah. and his teams do. So. You know, can they get those key stops on third down? That's the big thing with this defense is, is can they get off the field more? If they get off the field more, then you have to think Tennessee will win some more games. Um, and that's obviously a bit of point of emphasis as well. Um, but, you know, looking at the offense, you know, Alex Cole, she was asked about, you know, what happens if the offense becomes a one-man show where it's just Cedric Tillman. Um, he said that, that that would be bad for the offense, which is obvious because defenses could just lock in on Tillman. Yeah, you just, bra- um, just bracket him all day long but they feel confident that that won't happen, which is saying something because you look at past Tillman, there's a lot of talent in that group, but they haven't all delivered on Saturdays, whether that's Brew McCoy or Mel Keaton. I think Jimmy holiday has one career catch. Uh, Jalen Hyatt has, you know, it's been well-documented. He didn't play as well as he maybe wanted to, or, or was expecting to last season and has worked to change that, you know, but it's like, it, it was the same situation last season. Right. I mean, we weren't talking like, 
that, that Bayless Jones was going to be an eventual third round draft pick, all SEC kind of performing. We weren't talking about Cedric Tillman who had eight catches in three years. Now, granted, he was playing behind Juwan Jennings, Marquez Coway, and Josh Palmer for a lot of those years. I think that sometimes gets overlooked with, with Tillman's lack of of production. But, you know, those guys came out of seemingly out of nowhere. I think internally there were high hopes for those guys, but even after the first four games, they weren't exactly lighting it up and then they exploded. So, um, you know, can can they find some of those answers quickly at receiver, left tackle, and secondary, all these things? And uh, that's what preseason camp is for. I'll tell you, though, Pat, and, and I think this is probably the last thing I've got for this segment is talking about sort of the, the, the preseason hype and expectations and a lot of the stuff goes in one day or not the other for us. After all the things that, that Tennessee staff, especially Heupel, said about Cedric Tillman for the year leading up to when he had his big year last year, um, I think I might pay attention a little bit more when this staff really, really praises somebody <laughs> because the, when they said that stuff about Tillman last year, I was thinking, you know, he did have a couple nice moments in the spring, but we've heard these kind of things a lot. But, you know, we'll see. Yada, yada. Heard this stuff before. Uh, and, and about Theo Jackson, like, oh, we've heard this before about Theo Jackson. Is this really going to – is it still at the end of the day, it's Theo Jackson, and that's been some trouble in the past. Then the season starts, and boom, those are two of their best players right off the bat. So uh, maybe when they talk, we will listen. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, too, that, that I'll add to that is just there's just a, a confidence. Um, I, I think kind of just internally from the program, you kind of sense. I mean, they, they built the culture uh, last season, um, and, and this is even going back to the spring. They just, compared to a year ago, you know, there was so much unknown. There's a lot of unknown right now going into this season. But, but relative to, I think, yeah. I, I, I think the biggest difference is that uh, it's Hendon Hooker, right? I mean, you sleep a lot easier when you know who your quarterback's going to be. And this is this is really, what, 2016 with Josh Jobs, the last time that they went into a season with quarterback, that situation being either not a competition or not a concern. Because yeah. there were years that Jared Garantano was the guy, but you were like, okay, is, is this going to work? You Now you have Hooker, who has done it. He's done it at a high level. Um, and I think the thing that gets overlooked with what he did last season was just how much he galvanized the team around him. Um, this is his team. He's the face of the program. He's the guy. Um, and everything's just different when you, you have that there. Um, that That's a good way to turn, uh, as Eiffel talked about on Sunday, hoping you win into expecting to win, right? Because yep. you know with that guy, a quarterback, the most important position on the field, you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning every game you play. Just because of him, because he's that good of a player, and he makes the guys around him so good. And they've got some other good players too that um, that have the potential to be special. Uh, you know, Cedric Tillman I think is already special. Uh, you know, Byron Young is a guy they're looking for big things out of. I think he's a guy that that could. You know, this is an NFL year for him. Same for Darnell Wright. There's a lot of guys that are going to be playing for beyond this season. Um, uh, so. That, that's a big difference, right? When, when you have that question answered, because it's such a big question every year, that helps you believe more than than hope for success. Yeah, although he also threw a little bit of a low-key shade at uh, Ted Lasso when he said it's not even enough to believe. He was like, you know, you got to hope. You, well, you we want, just cannot, we just cannot stand that. Yeah, that's, that's stand, unacceptable. Yeah, because like you know, because he, you know, if you were to put believe above the 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 sign there above the door going to the locker room <laughs> in Tennessee, uh, 
Josh Eiple just rip that down and be like, no, expect, expect. Well, that would cover the uh, I will give my all for Tennessee today sign. Yeah, there you go. That's what I mean, we, we can't have that either. So Absolutely. you'd have to put it like above it, which might give your vertically challenged players a, a more of a, a an injury risk. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, Pig Howard. I don't know why. Pull a hammy jumping up trying to, to tap the sign. <laughs> there you go. And Pat, I think uh, we'll say uh, say so farewell to you for now for for about twelve hours or so, and then we'll uh, probably have you back on here. Uh, I guess <laughs> yeah, are tomorrow. We doing are we doing one after the first practice too? Yeah, we said we were going to because we normally do the one on Mondays and then it's like, well, we're going to do this one on Sunday night then kind of still got to do one Monday. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to have at some point tomorrow. Not sure when exactly it will be, uh, but at some point uh, during the day tomorrow, we will either get you or uh, Grant or Ryan. Someone will be bothered and someone will be on here. Right. So for the next few weeks, you'll either be able to find me on – Zoom podcasting with you at practice or in the complex covering stuff or uh, what's the other one? That's pretty much it. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell my wife and kids, I'll see them in a few Yeah, maybe weeks. like maybe like the pediatric, maybe like, you know, if you got to take one of your kids to the doctor, you got to go there. But other than that, it's like, no, this is, this is where we are now. This is what we do, and we are happy to do it. Pat, thanks for the time, man. We will, uh, I guess, see you here in just a few hours. Yeah, see you, Wes. And for the rest of y'all, we will be back back here in just one one second here. I don't want to say one second. Let's call it what it is. It's going to be about mm, two minutes. We'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast after we listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Going to be joined in just a second by Ryan Callahan from over there across town at his home daycare center talking Tennessee football, a little Tennessee football recruiting, a little bit of a team slash recruiting crossover mixtape news. Uh, some stuff we'll have to discuss there. Uh, lots of other good stuff. But before we do that, guys, just a quick uh, quick suggestion. Uh, I want to say suggestion. Let's say a quick request from our end. 
just a quick request. I think that's a good way to put it. If you could take just about a minute out of your day right now and go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, that would help us out a good deal. I know that if you're just listening for free on the website, we love you. Nothing wrong with that. There is no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out the most, and is still free for you, is to go in there and uh, rate and review and subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, absolutely free, and we are happy to do it. No problem. No sweat off our end. Uh, But the one thing that we ask for, one series of things, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us add wolves to this wolf pack, as we've done since we started this thing years ago. So if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. And if not, uh, go f*** yourself. That's the... uh, that's the motto. As promised, uh, and, and as, as promised, uh, a prophecy of doom that we gave you in the first segment, we are going to go across town to that home daycare center, get to the one and the only Ryan Callahan right now for the second segment. Ryan, what is up? Wes, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Uh, really, really frustrating. Really, really frustrating, to be honest with you. Not because you're on this segment. I mean, that's its own kind of frustration. But uh, right. the the power you – know, is anyone who knows that tonight the storms going through Knoxville have just been awful and thoughts and prayers and everything out to everybody in southeast Kentucky. My God, what a week or so they've had. It's been awful. Um, so, so thankfully nothing like that here. But uh, the power has been knocked out a couple times as we were recording this podcast. So it's been sort of frustrating. But, uh, you know, here we are. We're making it work. All is well. Think things quieter over on your end of town? They are. Uh, we, we have electricity over here, you know. Uh, hasn't hasn't, Ooh, boo, hasn't been disrupted at any point. Look yeah, at us. So. Look at us. Our power doesn't go out over there. Look at us. Whoopity-doo. <laughs> but, yeah, no, seriously, it's been one of those nights. But that is okay uh, because for many of y'all, uh, the sun will be out tomorrow uh, in the form of Tennessee football starting really i mean not that the thing ever really ends we talk about it all the time it's a year-round thing now of course with recruiting and team and with everything else but preseason camp does start uh tomorrow and and the vols as we talked about a little bit in the first segment ryan we know now that laneath whitehead we knew that injury was was not great and now we know that his upper body injury believe a pectoral injury uh is going to cost him this entire season uh, certainly those things can happen when you're lifting weights, and that is unfortunate. It's, it's never fun. Ask K. Ron Calbert and others. It's it's not a fun deal to go through, uh, but we'll see. Hopefully he gets all through that. But the bottom line is Tennessee, at what already was a thin position, is now thinner. And it's not a place where you want to be thin. It's not a maybe a five-alarm fire or anything yet, but it is certainly, uh, 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 I think, a little bit of reason for concern. And now uh, there there might be actually someone coming to help, and that's where you come in. Mr. Callahan. Yeah. And it's, and it's a familiar name. Uh, now as of the time of this recording, this is not a done deal. So he has not committed to Tennessee. He is not enrolled, but it certainly looks like things are heading in that direction. Um, so when we reported Sunday that Lynn J Dixon had arrived on Tennessee's campus for a visit, um, that, that was obviously a sign that things were, were starting to move in this direction and that, that, as long as things go well, as long as everything checks out, um, that that he's likely to join Tennessee and, and be on the practice field probably by the end of the week, uh, potentially within the next few days. So we'll see how soon this all comes together. But uh, certainly looks like a good chance that Lynn J. Dixon will be joining uh, Tennessee in, in, in the coming days. Uh, and this is a this is an interesting move. Uh, you, know, you get you get different takes on 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 Dixon a little bit depending on who you talk to and and. 
you know, what people you, you hear from, like, you know, was it somebody at West Virginia where he just spent, you know, less than six months or somebody that saw him at Clemson when he looked really, where he looked really good as a freshman and sophomore. Um, but this is a, I would say it's a move where there's some risk involved and that's why Tennessee was, was really not, um, a factor, uh, the first time around when Lynn J Dixon entered the transfer portal back in the fall. Um, that was a name that came up at the time. So a lot, a lot of Tennessee fans remember that he was committed to the Vols back in, uh, June of 2017 under, under Butch Jones's staff, uh, committed back then and was committed for less than four months, decommitted during the middle of that season, uh, actually on the day of, I'd forgotten this detail on the day of their South Carolina game that year, they lost that game, and it happened, I think, shortly after the end of that game. And I, I don't know if it much played into it, but the the fact that that game was kind of a blow to Butch Jones and that was seen as you know kind of one that increased the speculation about his future, I think that, that combined with Clemson still recruiting him and other teams kind of caused him to just look elsewhere. But it's, he's obviously, you know, he came back into play with Tennessee last fall, uh, you know, wrote again. Uh, on, on Sunday that he he did show up in Knoxville back in the fall after he entered the transfer portal, went to the Tennessee-South Carolina game back in October. Tennessee just decided not to pursue him at the time. The balls really weren't heavily involved. Yep. He just has always had some interest in Tennessee. So it's it's kind of crazy that it's worked out this way and that it took this like 11th hour move for him to, to come in uh, and potentially join Tennessee's roster. But it looks like it is finally going to happen. Uh, for him to kind of end up right back where his college career almost started in the beginning. But it's an intriguing move because he was a productive back at Clemson, ranked second in school history in yards per carry behind only Travis Etienne. Uh, pretty good company where the guy that was ahead of him for most of his time there um, was was second behind him in yards per carry in Clemson history at 6.6 going into last season. So very productive at times. But then the last two years at Clemson, production tailed off and – Going into last year when he was supposed to be the leader and veteran in the backfield, he ended up basically being third on the depth chart, maybe getting frustrated about his role early in the season and kind of just bouncing after some friction uh, between he and Clemson's staff. Only 10 carries, I think, in three games. Yeah. So there are some questions, some yeah, red flags, when, when I would the, say. When there was a new position coach there, things did not go well for him yes. very clearly. And and so – and. and I, you know, it's certainly fair to question what happened at West Virginia. He obviously committed there in November, ended up enrolling there in January, didn't last there long, went went through spring practice and looked like he was in line for, you know, maybe a part time role at least. Not sure exactly what his uh, what his role would have been if he had stuck around. But uh, by June, it was clear that things were had kind of gone sideways. And at the end of June, he entered the transfer portal. And according to our West Virginia site uh, in the 24-7 Sports Network, it sounds like you know, he did not have the choice necessarily of sticking around. It was, yeah, it was I, made I, for I, him. I, I can corroborate that a little bit. I, I did hear from someone up in Morgantown on, on – I guess I can say tonight, right? We're releasing this tonight, uh, speaking with someone during the day that or, – or heard during the day anyway that, that there were problems from like the moment he got to Morgantown and, and that they – you know. Th- Regardless of, of who was trying to smooth things over or how it did or didn't go, the bottom line is uh, that that was not a good marriage from the beginning, and, and there were um, basically some some good riddance type of, of feelings from up there. Now, again, uh, if he ends up going to Tennessee or wherever he goes next, you get a fresh start, right? You, you Wherever you go, you get a fresh start. Uh, Tennessee's been able to develop a pretty good culture there. Those guys in that building seem to be all be pulling in the same direction. Maybe something like that would help a player like him. Uh, maybe maybe feeling like he, things were a better fit for him would, would work out well for him. I don't know, but it's just fascinating to me 
how when you look at the way things ended at Clemson and the way things were from basically the beginning of his short time at West Virginia, there are some red flags there. We're not going to lie to you. There are some red flags there. But, you know, I guess we'll see when he gets there, right? If he does. Yeah, right. And and, and there are red flags. And I, that's why I think it's not a done deal yet. For one, I think Tennessee wants to check it out, make sure it's a fit. You know, the, that was the idea with the visit on Sunday, uh, just to to get him around the coaches and, and, and make sure – you know, just just get a better feel for him because you can tell a lot more about a person, you know, in person in most cases. Uh, and and that those visits can be can honestly be helpful with those types of things. You'd be amazed how often coaches kind of vet players during official visits, especially when you get a, a couple days where where players can kind of take them around and, and, and learn more about them. You know, you, you can find out things like that. So, you know, I think they wanted to get him on campus, get a better feel for the situation, make sure make sure it was a match. And as long as they feel comfortable with the situation, you know, I, th- I think it's probably going to work out. But um, that's one of the things is, you, you know, you do need to check into that a little bit because there are some red flags from uh, his previous two stops. Now, that being said, it, considering the late nature of this p- possible addition, it's a pretty good pickup, I think, if it works out. You know, this is this is potentially a, a guy that could be more than just another body to, to throw in at running back. This is a guy who's rushed for 1,400 yards or so in his college career and, and all that coming at a, at a pretty good program in Clemson. So that's, uh, that's nothing to shake a stick at. And you usually don't find too many guys out there with that kind of production and track record, especially this late in the game. Oh God. Oh. Yes. This late in the game. No question. I mean, the, the best availability sometimes is, you know, our availability is the best ability sometimes if I cannot butcher that phrase, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? So, but I, I mean, maybe y'all would like to have someone with more, um, ability to, to be uh, available for this podcast for you than I am right now. But in all seriousness, Ryan, I mean, you can't find a guy right now. If you're going to go like, oh, blink, got to get a guy in here uh, right now, and it's got to be a guy who's a pretty good player, um, maybe right now this looks sexier than it did like a month ago. Right. And and, and, and we've already been asked on, on the checkerboard on GoVols 24-7, you know, why, why did Tennessee not go after him back in the fall? I think it's pretty clear at that time, first of all, it was midseason. You know, Tennessee, you know, probably didn't even have a, a great feel yet for at that time. At the time he visited for that South Carolina game, Tyon Evans was still on the roster. You, you didn't know how the season was going to end at that point. D Beckwith was still on the roster. Obviously, Lenith Whitehead had uh, had played some uh, and during the season. You didn't know who was going to leave, who was going to stay. You thought it, probably thought some attrition was possible. So they were interested in looking into the transfer portal, but at that time, were they in desperate enough need of a running back to to take a guy who had just left Clemson under, you know, unusual circumstances, maybe a little bit during the season? Not unusual, but just obviously a, a, not a great ending there at Clemson after three pretty good years. It, it, it went bad pretty quickly last season. Do you want to take a guy like that uh, mid-season because he announced his commitment to West Virginia in November? You know, I, I think they thought there would be pretty, some pretty good guys out there in the transfer portal, and they waited and they you know couldn't get Jameer Gibbs. He went to Alabama and tried on a few others didn't get them. Uh, and then, you know, obviously were involved with Ramon Jefferson who ended up at Kentucky. You know, they, they looked into some other options at running back and they just didn't work out, but clearly at the you know first time around, they thought they could probably get someone better with fewer red flags, maybe even more eligibility left than Lynn J Dixon. Um, interesting note though, he does have two years of available eligibility. Uh, if he chooses to use them, yep. he does have the free year from the 2020 season still left in addition to, his current senior year, so he would have this year and one more year if he t- uh, if he does enroll at Tennessee. That is at least worth noting here. So it's not just a plug and play one year patch, but 
um, it is a it is potentially a two year uh, two year addition. So really intriguing uh, to me. It's it's not a perfect one, as you said. It comes with some risk, but it's one that if you if you get him here and you get him uh, invested and with uh, with maybe a, a little bit better attitude or more maturity or whatever you want to say um, without knowing all the ins and outs of everything that happened at his previous two stops. But if you get him sort of moving in the right direction and showing the right, the right attitude and, and work ethic, I, I, I think it's one that really could give you more than just a, a, another guy to throw in there. This could be a guy that I think gets a, a, a good chunk of the carries at least as a number two or number three running back. And that's, that's pretty good at this stage in the game and potentially maybe more than that, you know, again, 1400 yards at Clemson, that that suggests there's a lot of ability there. He just hasn't the the oh, one thing yeah, that maybe concerns plenty you. Plenty of ability. The the one thing that maybe concerns you there. He didn't show a lot of it the past two years. His his biggest numbers came as freshman and sophomore years in 2018 and 2019. So he's a couple years removed from that kind of production. But the fact that he has it in his past and doesn't have a lot of you know red flags injury wise, I think it you know suggests there's still a lot you know, at least a good bit left in the tank, and that this is not just a just a depth guy that, that you're, you're doing what you have to do to get through this year. This is someone who can maybe make your running back group, I would say, potentially better. I'm not going to totally, you know, just downplay Lenith Whitehead's ability here and, and really overplay Lynn J. Dixon at this point in his career, but this, is, this could potentially, inadvertently, it could be an upgrade ability-wise if it works out. You just don't know. Yeah, that's not a slap in the face of Whitehead. That's saying a, you know, look at look at what Dixon did and where he did it, and that's. And the last thing I'll say about it is this: before we move on, because because we're we got a, some other stuff we got to discuss here. I, I think if we're being honest here, there are different situations where you know what you're willing to accept risk wise is different. And if mm-hmm. you're right now talking about a season starting in a month and you feel like you've got a chance to be a pretty good football team, you know the schedule is not terrible. Uh, at all, you know, Florida's going through a transition year. You know, you, you could put some things together and have a pretty good year here if you're Tennessee, especially, and and build things in the right direction. And but you're going into this camp now with four scholarship, healthy scholarship running backs. And if you look at that situation and go, I, I I I I just can't I can't have that. I got to have another guy. Well, that might be why you take on a red flag because it's worth it at the time. And, and I think that's if we're being honest with ourselves, different situations require sort of different solutions and that's why i think timing can be everything and in this case it doesn't bother me at all now there might be something that 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 we don't know of in terms of specifics with the red flag that would make me in hindsight go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. i didn't know this but you know looking at it from the outside looking in ryan I, I gotta tell you this time of year i with with what their exact situation is i get it yeah, I, I completely get it. And I think it's a, I, I actually think it's about the best move Tennessee could make under the circumstances. When you look at who's out there in the transfer portal, I think they've looked into every possibility. Uh, you know, we mentioned a couple of other names that, that popped up here uh, recently that Tennessee looked into. Um, there's a, I, his name is escaping me off the top of my head, but a, a central Michigan transfer who is, who has been working out at Purdue uh, in recent weeks that, that was set to enroll and start classes there soon. And, you know, Tennessee looked into that possibility, good player, but just didn't work out, um, didn't, didn't get very far. And then they looked into Marquis Stepp, um, the USC or former USC transfer who spent this past year at Nebraska, now transferring out of Nebraska. That one, there's, you know, I think there's some health concerns on that one. 
not a lot of production this past year. Nebraska, a program kind of struggling right now and, and not able to get on the field there. You know, that that's kind of what you expect to see in the transfer portal this time of year. So I think Tennessee decided not to not to go down that path once they once they looked into it a little bit more. And and when you look at it, I think you know maybe the best available option is, even though there are some red flags, Lynn J. Dixon, and clearly there's a, a, a history there. It makes a lot of sense. And you know, again, it, there are different types of red flags too. You know, I, I don't know if there was any criminal behavior involved. I've certainly heard nothing of any criminal behavior. But you know, sometimes you can deal with attitude, yeah, maturity, ge- general, whatever issues. General attitude is what I've sort of heard. Right? Yeah. So general attitude problems to me, those kinds of red flags, that that's a little more manageable a lot of times as opposed to say criminal red flags. So. Uh, there are certain levels of that and some things you can swallow a little bit easier, some things you don't want to take. And I, I think they, I think they're, you know, again, they're still looking into it, but I think just from what I've heard so far, it's the kind of thing, it's, it's a workable situation. It's not the kind of red flags that make him an immediate, like, whoa, 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 we can't go down that road. It's the kind of thing where, okay, maybe a change of scenery, maybe that, you know, this, this last stop having been so abbreviated, maybe all of that is kind of a wake up call. And maybe this kid kind of gets his stuff together give it a chance to play in the SEC. Maybe he just really hates John Denver. We don't we don't really know. I mean, it could Always be, a possibility. You know, yeah. it, or, 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 you know, if he all of a sudden thought Dab, woke up one day and thought Dabo was annoying, well, welcome to the crowd there, sir, if that was your problem. Uh, you know, but <laughs> but I, I think I've mentioned that before, and I will again. But, hey, hey, a lot of people at Clemson are just fine with them, and I don't blame them for that. Ryan, before we to you know kind of wrap up and talk a little bit about recruiting before we get out of here, anything else? We talked a lot with, with Pat in the first segment about different things, you know, kind of some storylines going into camp, some things that sort of got our attention on, on Sunday, you know, or earlier today, I guess I should say. And anything, anything really kind of grabbed your attention today, anything that got your attention? Yeah, you know, I I, I did ask uh, Josh Heupel about Tennessee's freshman edge rushers because uh, while, while they're not expected to be starters, uh, I, I'm really – I mean, obviously I think we're always kind of drawn to the to the shiny new toys out there, the newcomers, especially when there are some – They haven't they have, high... proved they suck yet. Right. So so there's some, some highly touted newcomers coming in, uh, and, and to me they're among, uh, among the, the, the centerpieces of Tennessee's class were James Pierce and Josh Josephs, the two – uh, edge rushers. So to see what those guys can do, because to me, if Tennessee's defense is going to take a step forward this year, and Josh Heupel kind of hinted at this a couple times on Sunday, uh, it's it's going to take, you know, basically getting after the quarterback better with a four man pass rush. There's there's no secret to it. They they had to kind of generate pass rush, uh, pa- uh, at least pressure on the quarterback, however they could, and that usually involved blitzing. Uh, last year, Byron Young had had his moments last year, especially the second half of the year but it wasn't consistent enough and they had to blitz too much and that kind of exposed their secondary. And that's why they got picked apart a lot of times. So they had all those great tackle for loss numbers uh, and they got some pressure at times, but it just wasn't consistent enough for the four man rush. If they can change that this year, that to me is the one area of this defense that maybe could get better from a year ago, even after you lose three NFL draft picks. So can Byron young can you know, build on as a lot of people are expecting him to clearly with that first team all sec selection, can he build on what he did last year? Can Tyler Barron play better than he did last year? And then can those freshmen behind them and, and, and Josh Eiffel mentioned Ramon Harrison too. I shouldn't, shouldn't leave him out. He's at least a guy who's played a lot of football over the past few years. And, and, but can those freshmen give you some juice there where maybe on, you know, maybe even 10 or 15 snaps, one of those guys, James Pierce or Josh Josephs or both 
either would be great, but both would be fantastic for Tennessee. If you can get both of those guys in the mix, helping on third and longs, and and be able to just kind of rotate past, keep Byron Young fresh, keep Tyler Barron fresh, whatever it ends up being, get those guys involved, that could really take this defense uh, in the right direction, I think. And we've talked before about what this 2023 class could mean for Tennessee with Caleb Harris. Yeah, yeah, those Sean cats next year. Yeah, so so this this is the start of that, and to me, and so I was eager to see what Josh Heupel would say about that, and he, you know, he didn't close the door on, on saying, hey, it's you know, even though those guys they were kind of skinny coming out of high school, uh, and I've already you know heard heard a little bit about how uh, you know roughly where James Pierce was weight wise when he came in. I think he's already added ten or twenty pounds. Uh, I think closer to twenty since he uh, since he got, or maybe it is closer to ten, but he's he's in the. 220 to 230 range now, which I think is not in a not in a bad spot going into preseason camp for a guy looking to contribute as a freshman uh, since he just got here this summer. So, considering what what he needs to do, uh, he, he's he's got a realistic path, I think, to some playing time. Josh Joseph was maybe the the slightly skinnier guy uh, coming out of high school. He's added a, at least a little bit of weight, but if you can get one or both of those guys in the mix, I think that's a big wild card for this defense. So. I'm really interested in seeing what they look like on the practice field uh, this week, and uh, certainly think the uh, you know the, every level of the defense is going to be worth watching. But but to me, those those edge rushers give this give this defense a chance to maybe take another step that we're not otherwise seeing on paper when you look at this defense. And we ha- we're obviously going to have a lot more time over the next month to discuss the ins and outs of preseason camp and the, the battles that we expect and. You know, the things that maybe pop up that we didn't expect and sort of some strengths and weaknesses and, and things of that nature. There's a lot more to discuss about that and a lot more time to do it that we'll have over the next few weeks. But, Ryan, before we get out of here, anything in terms of – I know this was uh, recently was maybe the last sort of preseason sort of big, you know, visit-type weekend Tennessee was able to have. What were the Vols able to do then? Who were some of the guys in town? Any pushes made? Any, any news? Anything pertinent from there? Yeah, so Tennessee did have a, a you know cookout, whatever you want to call it, on Saturday. Uh, uh-oh, sort of just, uh-oh, uh-oh, yeah, uh-oh, uh-oh. I know, that, 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 that word still makes Tennessee fans everywhere cringe uh, going back to the Bruce Pearl era. But no, uh, they, they did have some sort of, uh, whatever you want to call it, recruiting event on Saturday and had a, had a good number of guys in, mostly 2024 prospects, as we've seen with a lot of schools uh, around the country this past week. There were some 2023 targets around the country still, uh, still making their way around, and Tennessee did host at least one noteworthy 2023 target, Tavion Gadsden, defensive lineman from uh, from South Georgia. Uh, Tennessee, you know, one of his top contenders uh, or top choices right now, but he is preparing to make a decision. So that was a pretty important visit. Um, at least the early intel that I've gotten off of that one suggests that Florida State maybe still should be viewed as the favorite uh, as he prepares to make a decision, maybe in the next couple of days. Uh, but that that was one that. I think the visit at least went well for Tennessee, and I, I don't think that recruitment is going to be over this week, even if he does make a decision. It sounds like he already has his eye on maybe taking some official visits this fall. So that's one that still could be one to watch this fall, even if Tennessee doesn't land him this week. But they got him on campus twice this summer, probably Florida State's main competition uh, going down the stretch, but I would maybe lean toward the Seminoles being the team to beat there right now. Um, that. A lot of the other activity that involved Tennessee happened off their campus, but we'll, we'll touch on the ones they did host, some 2024 targets. Uh, they did have some highly ranked guys in town. Jaden Baugh, highly ranked running back target from Georgia, was back in town. 
after going to Tennessee's camp uh, at the end of June. Um, had, had Caleb Beasley back in town, one of their top in-state targets mm-hmm. in the 2024 class. So um, those those were certainly important visits and, uh, and, and off, offered a couple guys as well, that, uh, a couple of highly ranked receivers that they like, uh, Mario Craver from Alabama and, and Mazio Bennett from South Carolina. Uh, both of those guys uh, are, are Bennett visited for the second time. Uh, he was also here in late May. Mario Craver visiting Tennessee for the first time. Uh, Jordan Marshall, a four-star running back from Ohio, was back in town. Cam Pringle, a highly ranked offensive tackle from South Carolina. So pretty good turnout for Tennessee, all things considered. Not a not a just loaded, star-studded event in terms of numbers, but the, I thought the players they did get in town, were, there, there was a good bit of quality and some guys that I think you're going to be hearing a lot about that Tennessee's involved with over the next several months. So uh, a pretty good event overall. And then obviously some some other targets that Tennessee had to watch on other campuses this weekend uh, that we'll talk about here in a second that uh, I think some guys are getting closer to decisions maybe that, that Tennessee's you know keeping an eye on as they approach their senior seasons. Ooh, what were you teasing there? Yeah, so uh, I mean there, there are still some things to watch going into this season. Uh, we're not you know, things have slowed down since Tennessee's big, you know, early July rush. They got all those commitments in the first 10 days of the month. Then they got Nathan Leacock and, and Carson Gentle on back-to-back days. Still watching a few guys, particularly Stanton Ramil, the four-star offensive tackle from Alabama. Um, and then also Ricky Gibson, the cornerback from Alabama. So Ricky Gibson was at Georgia on Saturday. That was one of the big visits to watch at other schools. Um, and that one, it sounds like, has really gotten interesting at least um with georgia you know I, I everyone i spoke with was pretty skeptical about his chances of ending up at georgia um up until the past few days and then i think the more time is gone it seems like georgia has you know maybe people were sleeping on it a little bit or downplaying the the possibility of him ending up at georgia when they shouldn't have been whatever the case may be and georgia apparently is pretty serious about him or it certainly sounds like they're more serious about him than a lot of people might have expected. So it sounds like they're, at least as at this moment, there there might be a spot for Ricky Gibson in Georgia's class right now if he wants it. And he's he's talked about making a decision maybe on, on August 5th, which is Friday. So we'll see, A, if he sticks to that timeline, and B, you know, if he does, obviously what his choice would be. I think Tennessee and Georgia would probably be the two most likely landing spots. As of this moment, again, at the recording of this podcast, I would still lean a little bit toward Tennessee just based on what I've heard. But this one's gotten a lot more interesting with Georgia being at least more heavily involved in it than it was once thought to be. So uh, that was an offer he got this summer, and things have clearly progressed over the past several weeks since that offer. So uh, that's at least one to keep an eye on. Stanton Ramil, the news, at least as of right now, is not as positive for Tennessee. It does sound like Michigan State, which has been Tennessee's main competition for him, I think, down the stretch. It sounds like Michigan State has a real shot at landing him. So, interesting player. He's originally from New York. He moved down to Alabama just a, a couple years ago during COVID to, to keep playing, be able to keep playing football that year. And, uh, and it's, has, has not been in Alabama that long. So, he's not a... Uh, not a born and bred Southern kid who necessarily wants to play in the SEC above all else, but he's visited Tennessee yeah, three times since April. Inter- that would be an interesting one to me. That I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would understand that one. But you know, hey, yeah, kids got their uh, reasons, right? Michigan State's been very, uh, very effective in recruiting in the South this year. They've had some luck getting into to some different states and getting guys on campus that they're not normally known for recruiting very well. So. 
they, they're getting after it under Mel Brooks, uh, and they, uh, uh, or Mel Tucker, I should say, not Mel Brooks. That's the, uh, yeah, well, that, that would, would be, be different. the famous, yeah, that, would be different. that would be a, that would be a different adventure as a football coach, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's an interesting uh, storyline for a movie. Maybe we should look into that, but yeah, but Mel Tucker's done a great job at Michigan state and, uh, and, and has them kind of recruiting at a higher level now. So I, it wouldn't be unheard of for them to, to pull off a win like that, but I definitely think um, right now, just based on what we've heard, I would maybe suggest that the Spartans are the favorites, at least slight favorites, just based on what I've heard the past you know, 24 to 48 hours. So that's at least one to keep an eye on. He hasn't announced a decision date, but looking at, again, possibly an early August decision. So it should be coming up here pretty soon in all likelihood, and, and Michigan State might be at least at the moment, might have the, the momentum, I guess you could say. So those are a couple we're watching. One other that's maybe out there to watch the next couple weeks, Jordan Matthews, four-star cornerback from Louisiana. He was at Texas this weekend. That's Texas has been seen as the favorite there for a while, but Tennessee's kind of battled back in that one, made it a little more interesting. We'll see if the balls can maybe quell the momentum uh, that, that Texas has built coming off that visit, but I think the Longhorns still feel feel pretty good about their chances at the moment. So a few names to watch in addition to Tavion Gadsden that we mentioned that visited Tennessee this weekend. He'll be announcing, it still sounds like, uh, sometime within the next couple, you know, two or three days. So uh, at least a, you know three or four guys there to watch the next few weeks before season start. But otherwise, I think things kind of slowing down as most of the guys who are not committed right now probably planning to wait until, you know, during or after their seasons at this point with most people focusing on, you know, their own team's preseason practices and things like that. Well, there you go. I think, uh, to borrow a, a phrase that a lot of news outlets like to say, I think we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else? Uh, no, just, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, looking forward to seeing some football the next few days. Uh, what little we get, you know, it's, it's, it's warmups and, uh, stretching and, a lot of individual drills. Not not a lot. We won't see probably any actual eleven we, on eleven, but we it'll see, be good to be out there. We see football when the regular season starts. That that's when yeah. these days. That that's how things go in this era. But nonetheless, we will be there. We will see some things, and we will have plenty to discuss. Ryan, appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And there's the button. And now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums that run around the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss Anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists. We've got somebody there. We got people up at different hours of the day. We got all kinds, any time of day, anytime you go there, you're going to find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life, advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just you never know. 
what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else, right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that seven-day that seven free trial, after that, you get us that, that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get GoBoss 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done commercial-free. Tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find, like you know, 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek, all kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies, old blockbuster franchises, you know, comedies, dramas, horror, everything, stuff for the kids. All of it, all of it, and stuff from the archives of, uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it, all of it, right there, something for the entire family, and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports, uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour, you get everything on there, and we, you get all of that, and our site, all of it, for just about a hundred bucks and change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you.